Welcome to Hostel Homies, a podcast focused on the best parts of backpacker culture. I'm your host, Joe Glasgow. Each week I sit down with a new guest, ranging from the people I meet while I'm abroad to professionals who work in the travel industry. Listen along as they share hilarious and inspiring travel stories, unparalleled recommendations on where to go, and tips for seeing the world on a budget. For Hostel Homies, it's all about the journey, the destination, and the people you meet along the way. Hello, Hostel Homies. This episode is brought to you by The Hostel Group. Visit thehostelgroup.com and support hostels by booking direct. That helps people travel the world on a budget. I mean, that's pretty much what we do. We try to help people achieve their travel genes by showing them that you don't need a lot of money to travel and the world is a safer place than you think it is. I got into this 11 years ago now. I was traveling the world, spent 18 months overseas. I left in 2006, came back in 2008, and wanted a way to continue my travels. Uh, So I wanted to create an online resume that showcased my writings and my work uh, to prospective editors. That turned into Nomadic Matt, the GC Today. The website just grew beyond just being a sort of an online resume for myself um, and being a website that really became sort of like a a one-man guidebook company. No kidding. It's gained such a popularity. I mean, I was just in Amsterdam recently and I was searching for things to do there and your article is, you know, the first thing that came up when I searched for off the beaten path things to do in Amsterdam. So it certainly gained a lot of success. So I want to bring up the fact that um, you didn't travel outside of the country until you were 23. Coincidentally, that's the same for me. Um, Do you think there are any benefits in waiting until you're 23 or even older to start traveling? Uh, No, I think you should start traveling as soon as you can. You know, I, it wasn't an inability to travel um, you know, it was just more of a lack of desire to travel. Sure. You know, I didn't really grow up in a travel culture. Um, my, my family weren't, they aren't big travelers. My friends' families weren't big travelers. My school didn't organize crazy overseas trips. So it's just sort of, I didn't really know that world existed. So, you know, I mean, I would have traveled younger. I think people should travel younger. My One of my biggest regrets is not doing a study abroad uh, when I had the opportunity. So I didn't know the value of that until much later. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I, I didn't really feel the jealousy for others uh, about their travels until I started. And then you look back realizing, oh, I wish, you know, I wish I would have done this as well. So, um, and I, I know this is a probably a hard thing to sum up quickly and uh, you know in one answer but how do you go from a travel blogger to a new york times best-selling author work mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the website just grew uh then eventually someone approached me to turn my ebooks into a real book uh and then you know it wasn't until the second edition of the book that the book became a new york times bestselling you know that first edition didn't sell super well. Um, it wasn't until I learned a lot of mistakes on that book launch that when I launched the second edition, we created 
you know, a lot of media around the event. We redesigned the cover. We added a lot more content to it. It was it's basically like a new book. Like the first version is sort of like the beta version. Gotcha. The second version is the one that you know was really like this is the book. And I think it's just a matter of dedication and hard work and recognizing opportunities when they arise. Getting out of your niche, trying to stay ahead of the curve in terms of creating the content people want. You know, I was one of the first to really take SEO seriously. So that allowed me to just build up a lot of goodwill in Google search, which mm-hmm. is why you find my articles so often. Um, adopting stuff that works in other industries that you don't see um, and learn to say yes to opportunities, even if they are costly, but learning to invest in, in a business in a way that your peers aren't. It takes a lot of money to hire a book company to create help you market a book to become a bestseller but mm-hmm. you know I, that was a, a worthwhile investment and so i think in in travel when you just start off you know with baby steps just putting a little bit in and a little bit in and getting help um that can really create a sort of competitive advantage you know nobody gets there alone everyone needs help to grow their website of course. Yeah. And you seem to have found the ways to work with others, work with journalists in order to get the name out. It's very cool to see the the dedication. I mean, 10 years and plus in the making. You recently wrote a travel post about traveling less these days than you used to. Um, to give the listeners an idea about your overall travel experience, can you tell us what your travel schedule looked like at its peak? You know, how many months of the year were you on the road at that point? I mean, at its peak, I was on the road 100% of the year. Mm-hmm. I mean, my, that, that first trip around the world, I didn't come back home uh, for 18 months. But after that, you know, I was pretty nomadic, even after I came home. You know, yeah, I'd come back maybe once a year, to twice a year to Boston to visit my parents for, you know, a week or so, but then I would be gone again. You know, I didn't have any sort of home base the way I do now. You know, I now I have an apartment with furniture and, you know, a, a cable bill and mm-hmm. uh, an internet bill and all that, all that stuff, a permanent address that I didn't have for 10 years. This article you wrote last week uh, titled, Why I Still Stay in Hostels When I Travel, um, obviously it speaks to the uh, podcast itself. We, we love hostels. We love the hostel culture. Um, when you're staying in hostels, some of them can be amazing. Some can be terrible. What's your strategy when you're picking hostels on finding the, the right place in a new area? Yeah, when I am looking for uh, hostels, especially in a city that you know, I, don't, I don't really know, I try to pick the sort of main, most central area, the one where, I mean, if you look on Hostel World, for example, you can sort of see a map view, mm-hmm. and usually where the cluster of hostels is is the area where it's sort of like the tourist area. Mm-hmm. So usually for the first couple of days, I'll pick something in that area just because I know, okay, it's going to be central, there's going to be other travelers around, it's probably easy to get to, lots of hostels there, it's probably going to be pretty safe. In terms of looking for a specific hostel, I look at the photos. I like to see, you know, what do the rooms look like. Try to get, suss out what the beds do. They are the locks below the bed? Mm-hmm. Are they far away? Does the room look spacious? Uh, are there privacy curtains? Is that an outlet I see in the corner? How many outlets can I find? Um, 
try to look at facilities, try to see what they say about the activities they have going. So uh, I actually have a post called How to Pick a Good Hostel, and these are all the things I do to decide, is this the place I'm going to stay? Yeah, all these uh, all these little things really add up to make a big difference when you're when you're staying at the hostels. So the the podcast goal is to inspire people to travel. I think the best way to do that is with experiences and stories of people on the road. So do you have a specific moment as far as staying in hostels, even like a, a snapshot uh, of your past travels that made you think, you know, I'm only seeing this, experiencing this, living this thing right now? because I'm staying in a hostel in a foreign country. I think when you stay in hostels, you have tons of great experiences. Hostel life is its own culture in itself. And I think that when you stay in hostels, you end up with crazy experiences. You know, everyone's getting drunk on a roof one day and Mm. suddenly, um, you're just with your best friends in the world. Uh, you know, I, I can remember going into a hostel in Valencia and, you know, the six bed dorm and the five other people and I, like we all just really bonded, uh, and became really tight and ended up traveling with half of them. I've been to two of their weddings. Um, I regularly, we all regularly stay in touch. You know, nobody knew each other before everyone was checking and had checked in that day. And, you know, it just, some of my like, closest friends now, even though you know we don't see them a lot, um, two live in Australia, one one lives in Hong Kong, two live on the other side of the states. Um, but we've stayed in touch. You know, I mean, this is like going on eight nine years. That's that's an experience you get staying at a hotel or even an Airbnb. You just have like these these great nights where you meet great people. And I said in this uh, article, you know what. What keeps me in the hostel, even though I don't really like dorms or and I have trouble sleeping, is, mm-hmm. you know, A, I'm cheap, B, it's good research, but C, is like, I just, the social atmosphere of a hostel cannot be beat. Yeah, it's a lot of people on the same page that kind of sets it up for really quick friendships to be made and, and strong friendships because of that. So... Even outside of hostels, um, and I, you know, you've you've traveled so much over the the past ten years, ten plus years. Um, anything specific that comes to mind when you think of something that happened on the road that was, you know, scary, dangerous, embarrassing at the time that you can look back on now and, and laugh about? You know, I think I've had some pretty mundane travels. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm writing this new book that comes out in July. Ten years of nomad. Um, and the editor and I were talking about how my travels are pretty ordinary. (laughs) Um, you know, I've, I've never been kidnapped. Uh, I never like had malaria, Mm -hmm. was never involved in some sort of like crazy calamity where like I had to be rushed out or I had to like suddenly leave a country. Um, so I always find my travels to be pretty, pretty mundane. Now, you know, like little things happen, like a pop the air jump, um, once you scuba diving, got lost in the jungle. I've had food poisoning a couple of times. I, a bus broke down the outback and we had to like spend like seven hours there, like waiting for a car, like little, like things that make somewhat interesting stories. Um, 
almost got like mugged by a taxi driver in Amsterdam. Uh, yeah, like kind of small stories, but nothing like, oh my God, this one time, you know, and then you think, wow, man, that's the craziest story ever. Sure, sure. So, well, I mean, that's, that, that's probably just, you're, you're lucky that <laughs> these terrible things haven't happened to you then. I think, that's, I think that's probably a good thing in the long run. A recent article of yours was titled, This Blog Will Suck Less, parentheses, or How I Got My Motivation Back. Uh, do you mind giving some context to this article, as well as can you explain what has kept you so motivated over the past 10 plus years? I like writing. I like travel. I like the business side of running a business. So all three of those together have really contributed to my desire to keep the blog going for as long as it has. Uh, you know, when I first started blogging, I, there was no intention of, of doing anything more than just like creating a journal for myself. And I think that you know, that created a lot of personal stories that were helpful and part of the reason why so many people read the website but over the last couple of years you know we've we focused a lot more on how to stuff i haven't been traveling as often as i did mm-hmm. pre-2016 a lot of that personality got lost because we were tend to be writing a little bit more generic articles about you know how to do this how to do that you know 20 places to eat and see mm-hmm. and while those articles are definitely helpful and you know it's something i've always done um I think what the noticeable difference was that instead of, you know, it being one thing I did, it was the majority of the thing I did. Um, so I think, you know, it just lost, the website just lost some of its personality based on that because, you know, rather than just like, Oh, like here's the story, here's that story. It was less of it. And that in part had to do with the fact that I just didn't have any, a ton of stories. Mm-hmm to share because, you know, I was just sitting in my house. And I think also, like, I think as a blogger, you worry a lot that, you know, when you stop traveling, no one's going to want to read your stuff. Um, And that you'll have nothing left to share. And I I don't really think that is the case. You know, it was just sort of a a mental hiccup that I had to get over that, you know, like, there were other things I could write about besides, you know, a trip. And that I always felt when I didn't have a trip, then there was nothing to write about. But, you know, there's lessons to be gleaned from just telling stories in your day-to-day life. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, I think that's a, a common thing for the creative mind in general, right, is to, to criticize yourself and to, to worry about, you know, what people are going to think of your art, your writing, etc. Um, in that same article, you mentioned that that New York City, you know, where you're where you're based, is not necessarily a productive place for you. And I, I actually relate to that as well. I've, I've been living in New York City, and I I found that when I'm on the road, I tend to be a little more creative. Um, which is strange, though, because I think most people look at New York as a place that you move to in order to be productive or be creative. Um, can you talk about how the location you are in affects your creativity and mental state in general? And also, is there a place in the world where you've felt the most creative or productive? New York City, for me, is not a place to be creative or productive simply because I'm always out and about too much. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, I, I don't have an office 
where I can go sit to and just like spread my papers out and just like sit and work and have space sure. and, and be productive. Whereas when I'm back in Austin where I have a place, like I have that. I, I like the you know, when you go to a Starbucks and that there's a big long cable, I spread out that way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where the chair and the, the table are just the right height. You know, I can just feel like, okay, you know, I found this good cafe uh, in the Ian that I went to all the time mm-hmm. um, because, like, the table and the chair were just the right height, and the table was wide enough, and the light was perfect, and it was just like great. Like, I can just I can sit here, I can work. I don't have a good space for that in New York. Um, but also, you know, when you live in New York, and you know this, like, you're always running around from A to B to C. Yes. So. It's very hard to just like I need to sit and in one place. And if you find the cafe, you're like, okay, like this is comfortable. But like, then you gotta go to the bathroom. You gotta go eat um, lunch. And it's like you just can't like leave your stuff around and like wander off. You know, and come back to it. And so like, okay, now I gotta pack up. And you break that um, flow that you have. And once you break that flow, it's really hard to go back into it. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Especially you go to a, you go to a busy Starbucks, you go to a busy coffee shop, and uh, you know, every time you have to use the restroom or move or anything, it's it's interrupting exactly what you need to be doing. So, uh, as you mentioned earlier, Nomadic Matt blog, it's about helping people travel on a budget and with a million plus people visiting your blog every month, I, I can imagine that you're receiving a lot of feedback, a lot of mail from people who you have helped out. Um, are there any like specific success stories or feedback you've gotten from people that has confirmed that Nomadic Matt is succeeding in its mission? We have thousands of success stories. Mm-hmm. You know, there's this one guy, Michael, who worked minimum wage and managed to save like 15K and in like six or eight months, you know, working overtime, selling all this stuff and like just, you know, following my tips on saving money. Uh, there's there's a, a grandma from Canada who used our tips to end up going to Australia in Fiji with her sister. She had never left the country. Um, and I think that's pretty cool. Like it always been her dream to go to Australia and Using our our methods, she did that. Oh, that's amazing. pretty cool. Getting grandmas to travel, that's wonderful. So is there anyone you've met during your travels? And I know you, you mentioned this earlier uh, with you know people who you've gone to their weddings and you, you've stayed in touch. Um, anyone who really stands out that's had a, a really big impact on your life? Uh, I think... A lot of people who have, I don't want to single out just one person. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's my buddy Greg, who, you know, I, I met in Amsterdam and really like started showing me that, like, not to be afraid of locals. They're not going to try to steal your stuff if you get invited to places. Uh, there's the folks I met in Valencia. There's the people I met in uh, Reno, actually, who were like these weird, like, sex hippie freaks um i don't mean like sex hippies are bad i just means you know you know they were like really alternative sure. and like they were very far out from what i experienced and they were like the most amazing people um you know they gave me some good lessons about you know 
not judging a book by their cover and learning to break out of your comfort zone. And so I, I, I can't really pinpoint one, like this one person changed everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's more of like everyone contributes to the whole and you know, everyone you meet when you travel leaves a part of them with you. Great. Well, I like that way of looking at it. Yeah. Little by little, everyone, everyone has a, has their little effect that makes a big difference. I like that. The people you meet, you know, on the road tend to contribute to the whole. And, you know, sometimes like there's that one person that really stands out and it's like, because I met this person, I did this thing and that changed everything. Um, you know, because I met those backpackers in Thailand, I, I was like, I really want to quit my job and travel. So you know, those five people who I have no idea who they are, uh, never kept in touch, but like their story changed everything. I would love if at some point those one of those five people reached out to you. And I, I don't know if you've mentioned it before multiple times in the blog, but yeah, I would love that. Or it's even you know, something amazing about the fact that they might not know that they helped inspire this, you know, huge travel blog. There's something amazing about that. Yeah, you know, we, we never took any pictures. They were just sort of like in a bus. And um, I don't think they would even remember what I looked like let alone me remembering what they look like. Mm -hmm. So if I could, I would put a, a picture up on um, the internet and be like, yo, internet, find these people. But <laughs> I, don't, I don't even have a picture of them. Yeah, maybe it's better they remain fa uh, faceless. It, it could be a representation that anyone, you know, anyone could be that, that person that, uh, that inspires you. I like that. So I, I asked this question to everyone uh, on on all the episodes, where, where in the world, you know, you've traveled to almost a hundred different countries at this point, around a hundred different countries, where in the world, uh, do you think everyone should visit? And this can be as broad as a city, or this can be as specific as, you know, a neighborhood, a restaurant, or just like a park bench you once sat on in a specific location. I would say that I think everyone in the world should visit Paris at least once. Mm -hmm. And I think everyone in the world should visit some big city in Asia at least once. You get the classic Europe, Paris is a beautiful place, uh, the food, the people, the history, that quintessential moment, you know, f f like movie moment. And then a big city in Asia is just, it's a battery on the senses. You know, it is busy, mm -hmm. it's chaotic, there's traffic, there's like a mix of like, the technological future and centuries of history and little alleyway restaurants and such. It is such a dichotomy that it is very overwhelming. Yes. Um, Hong Kong, Bangkok, Beijing, Hanoi, like these just like cities that are just like a battery on the senses. Matt, where can uh, people follow your stories on, on social media and online? Uh, we're well-branded everywhere. So just type in whatever it is, backslash Nomadic Matt, and you will find me on Pinterest, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Everything is Nomadic Matt. And you can find me on my website at nomadicmatt.com. Nomadic Matt, thank you so much for being on the podcast. No problem. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Hostel Homies.